Hey, what's up, guys? I uh, hope you're having a good week so far. Thought I would drop a quick impromptu midweek video uh, here at Wednesday morning. Just talking about the official announcement that uh, Showtime Boxing will cease to exist at the end of this year. So this is something that's been rumored to be coming for a while. It's something that a handful of us out there have been talking about, um, I guess, the, seeing the writing on the wall for quite a while and expressing concerns about the, the business model over there and just seeing certain signs that are part of a, a general uh, overall pattern that truthfully goes back decades. So uh, for, for those of us that have witnessed all that, you kind of could see just there were certain warning signs, right? So, um, and then of course, now it's official. So, so first of all, before I get into any of my spiel here, I, I do want to express condolences for the dozens of people that are going to lose their jobs. Now there's a handful of people that are millionaires and they're going to be just fine. I'm not even worried about them. And some of them actually deserve to be laid off because they were really bad at their job. But most of that 40 or so people that are losing their jobs, they're more on the production side of things. Um, and, you know, they're regular people with regular salaries. And this is how they feed their families. This is how they pay their bills. So uh, my thoughts go out to them. I mean, that, that's just, it's a tough spot to be in. If you've ever been laid off from a job, and I've been laid off from multiple jobs, not just jobs I've had in, in, in boxing, but in the private sector. Um, it's, it's, it could be scary. It could be really, really scary because you're wondering, well, shit, how, how am I going to pay the rent? Or how am I going to pay the mortgage? I, I've, I've lost jobs while I had a mortgage to pay. You know, um, It could be scary. It's also sad because you develop relationships with people that you work with. And uh, you build memories together, you know, especially if you're working in an artistic endeavor, an entertainment uh, endeavor, and um, it, it, you just build memories together and in, you develop friendships and stuff. So when that all crumbles up and goes away, it's, uh, it's, it's emotional, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing. So anyway, my thoughts go out to those folks who are involved, who are just regular people, just working a regular job. They didn't have an agenda. They, they weren't making big decisions as, as in regards to who's going to fight and stuff like that. They were just doing their job. It sucks that um, those people are losing their job. Jack Alter, Jack Talks Boxing with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Jack. He says, how long do you think ESPN will keep showing boxing? Well, that's a great question, Jack, because it's, it's very relevant to, to what's going on right now. I know where you're going with that. I mean, HBO is out, right? And now Showtime is out. So the only quote-unquote network that remains that's still a player here in the United States is ESPN. Um, my answer to that is they're going to be in boxing for a long time, okay? Of all the recent deals that we have seen happen in boxing in, in recent years, okay, of all the big deals, the network deals, top rank over at ESPN. And then we saw, you know, Matchroom and Golden Boy and a few different uh, platforms go over to the zone. And, and of course, PBC was, has been with like a dozen networks in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. A lot of the reports that you saw, particularly the, the zone deal, the Showtime Fox deal and all that were um, about the dollars, right? You know, 
because that's what get he- gets headlines. It's like the, the network is going to drop this much money to, to PBC and Al Heyman, and, and you're going to expect this many cards a year and blah, 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 right? But they don't really give the nitty-gritty details of the deal a lot of times because some guys in the media just don't know those details. They don't do their homework. They don't ask questions. But also because there's an agenda behind their reporting. The deal that Top Rank has, and I've talked about this on my show for a while, the deal that Top Rank has with Disney is actually a better deal for all parties involved than any other deal that you see right now with between any other promoter and any other platform. It is structurally designed to benefit both parties and with the current landscape of media and changing media, uh, the streaming services and all of that, it just top rank is aligned very, very well for where this industry is going, okay? Um, they have a platform there that encompasses all. They are on a sports network ESPN's never going to say, hey, you know, we just want to focus on doing shows and, you know, scripted content. We don't want to do sports anymore. They're never going to say that. They're a sports network. They also have a built-in streaming apparatus that is quite popular um, and is basically subsidized by, like, football and, like, the big, big sports that you can get on there. That's what most people are subscribing to ESPN Plus for but that subsidizes the tiny little sport of boxing. And you guys got to remember this. Um, the, the amount of money that ESPN, well, Disney, uh, by, by proxy, is being the parent company. By the way, Disney's like the biggest company in the universe. They like run the universe, okay? So they got money. They're bleeding money big time right now, but they got money. A very, very powerful company. But what they're spending on boxing is a drop in the bucket. It's Nothing. I don't even know if it's 1% of their budget. Seriously, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's it's literally that small. So the money that they're spending with top rank is so minimal, and it provides programming and content for them, which they're desperate for. And a lot of the boxing ratings are on par or better than the ratings that a lot of ESPN shows get. You guys think of like the Stephen A. Smiths, and I think is Shannon Sharp on ESPN still? I can't remember. But a lot of those just daytime shows, and some of those shows get 100,000, 200,000 people watching. They're, the ratings are abysmal. Those shows are subsidized by the network money that comes from the, the packages you, you when you order cable. Um, and I've talked about that on my show before. But a lot of the boxing shows they do get better ratings than a lot of the other programming they do. Not to say the boxing programming is crushing it at ESPN, but there are plenty of uh, cards that do decent enough ratings where it it competes with a lot of their other programming. Okay. So I, I actually think that top rank at ESPN, that deal is going to exist for a while, as long as top rank wants to be there. And that is why you see hell the entire uh, American boxing Olympic team from the last Olympics signed exclusively with top rank. It's not just because top rank uh, is the best at building prospects into champions and stars. They're the best in the business at that. I sound like I work for top rank, but I'm just telling the truth here. Um, there's a track record, but it's not just because of that. It's because they are aligned right now um, with the best network deal that exists for building a brand with a fighter. Now, uh, PBC, what they've been very, very good at 
is taking guys that have been built by top rank or another entity and signing them to a big lucrative deal and making them even more popular, particularly with younger fans. That is something PBC is very good at. Um, you could argue whether they're, whether that has helped the sport or not. And I won't get into that, but that's what they're good at. Top rank is a great place to start. So everyone's signing with top rank, the best prospects in boxing, at least in the United States are signing with top rank. There's a reason for that. Um, but okay, back to showtime. I talked about this on my show over the last couple of weeks that, you know, growing up being a young guy in my early twenties, um, I'm not even going to count when I was a kid cause I wasn't paying bills, but when I was a young adult in my twenties and I remember, you know, my, it was my second apartment. I had a roommate and we'd order the cable bundle or whatever at that time, which was very affordable back in the day, 20 years ago, relative to what it is now. Now I think you got to pay like 200 bucks practically now. Uh, but back then it was a fraction of that. And man, HBO and Showtime was awesome back in the day. It, the, the shows on HBO were great. And the boxing on both uh, was great. Now, there was a period where HBO boxing really did suffer. And it is no coincidence, in my opinion, that a big part of that was Al Heyman was at HBO. A lot of you guys don't understand. You think that Al Heyman started in boxing when he started PBC. Now, he had been involved in boxing long before that. And there are what I call the Andre Berto years. No disrespect to Andre Berto. He was a he was a good fighter, okay? But there were years where it, 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 it wasn't just him. It was Jermaine Taylor. It was all these different guys. But I just remember Andre Berto specifically because he would fight C-level guys, not even B-level guys, C-level guys, and get seven-figure paydays. And that was HBO Championship Boxing, right? And these were headlining fights. And it was just can after can after can of Andre Berto and the like fighting those level guys. Um, and it was just tough to watch. And in those years, it was Showtime that was kicking HBO's ass for if you were a diehard fan. HBO still had the big stars, but increasingly they were going to pay-per-view. But you still had the big stars. I mean, and then you still had fights like Gotti Ward and stuff like that. Like you still had fights that broke through and transcended, right? Uh, they were still building stars. People forget Floyd was an HBO fighter, you know, for a while. So, so HBO still was doing their thing. But there was a, a portion of time there where Showtime had the had more fight of the year type fights. And, and more fights that diehard boxing fans were talking about in the chat rooms and stuff. Showtime was kicking ass. And then Heyman and his crew left HBO and ultimately went over to Showtime. And we see what has happened there. Now, this I don't want to make this an anti-Al Heyman video. That's not what this is about, okay? Um, and I get accused of that all the time. And fine, that's fair. If that's what you want to say, that's fair. But it's 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 not the reality. I want Al Heyman and PBC to be successful. I want them to do well. Um, I do criticize them collectively more than the other platforms, but there's a couple reasons for that. I, I mean, for one, uh, there's just certain things that need to be called out and you're just not allowed to call it out. And I, I'm not cool with that. I'm not cool with this censorship thing. Only certain people get to talk about this. Only certain people get to talk about that. No. 
you don't control speech. You don't get to control language. You don't have that power and authority over me. If that's how you feel, go fuck yourself. Everybody in this country, as a citizen of America, has what's called freedom of speech. And I'm allowed to talk about things and have an opinion. I don't give a shit what your ancestral background is or any of that crap. You are, in my opinion, you have the right to speak on things and discuss things um, as you see fit. And so that's what I do. And that's what I expect in, in you know, the, the standard I hold everybody to, regardless of where they're from, what their political opinions are, all that. That is the way I show respect and treat everybody equally. Uh, but, you know, that's been lost in our society recently. Anyway, sorry for that rant. I, I just, what's happening right now this week, now that this news has dropped, is that there are some people gloating and there's some people like seemingly throwing a party right now and dancing on Showtime Boxing's grave. And I don't want to be one of those people because I, I remember when people were doing that when HBO Boxing failed, right, or went under. And the, the, the cult members, as I call them, were pissing on HBO Boxing's grave and saying, oh, this is the end of Bob Arum and Top Rank and all that good stuff, right? Because at that point, HBO was top ranked boxing. And, um, you know, it, it, two wrongs don't make a right. But what I will say, and I've talked about this in recent weeks, there is a certain feeling of vindication because the difference is when you criticize top rank or matchroom at, here in the United States, at least, I've heard it can get brutal if you criticize matchroom in the UK. But if you criticize Matchroom here, DAZN, ESPN, Top Rank, as I have a bunch, <laughs> if you if you listen to my show, uh, you don't get attacked. They don't sick dogs on you. Um, they don't, you know, have little ninjas, little troll ninjas pounce on you on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now. That is not the case, though, with this particular platform over on Showtime. Um and the reason why I think a lot of people are having a little fun gloating and trolling right now, and I, I think it's justifiable, is because there are certain bad actors over there on that platform that publicly have shamed people, bullied people, used their power and their privilege to bully people. That is the literal term of oppression. They've literally held, and I'm not saying like, <sighs> oppression's the wrong word. Um marginalize silence censor okay they have used certain tools because of their power to do that to people who were simply asking questions and bringing up concerns and they were dicks about it they were really really shitty people about it obviously i'm talking about steven espinoza for one who deserves to be unemployed right now he he presided over a shit product for years and lied to the public to continue to manipulate a lot of the very same people he claims to be fighting for and he virtue signals for uh, uh, publicly. Um, Leonard Ellerby, who I, who I actually like, and I think is a good guy and a really smart guy. Uh, he, I'm going to put him in this group though, too, because he also lied to the public and, and there's several others. Okay. I'm also going to include a lot of the media members here. Remember earlier this year, guys, when certain writers who write for a certain website that is owned by a same certain parent company related to this platform we're telling everybody this is the best year in boxing in 20 years 30 years 50 years maybe ever 
This is the best year in boxing we've seen. Look at all these super fights we're getting. Plant is fighting Benavidez, super fight. Davis is fighting Garcia, super fight. And I'd be like, is it really a super fight? Plant Benavidez should have happened three years ago when both of them had titles and they hadn't lost. Um, Benavidez hasn't lost, but he lost his title outside of the ring multiple times. And then as far as Davis Garcia, I get that they're very, very popular, but they're very, very unproven, especially Garcia. Oh, you're just a hater. These guys are superstars. They're superstars. That makes it a super fight, right? And so there would be this infighting and this, this you know, again, attacking if you, if you criticize. I criticize the Davis Garcia fight as being this, you know, compared to Hagler Hearns or like uh, Leonard and, um, and, and Hearns, like it was being compared to those kinds of fights or, or even like Lewis Tyson and stuff like that. And I'm like, are, are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? I got criticized for just making the point that this is two very unproven guys stepping up for the first time in their career. Anyway, those guys that were telling you this is the best year ever. Oh my God. Look at all these fights. They knew this was coming because they work together. They hang out together. They do drugs together. Okay. A lot of them, they gamble together. <clears throat> I, I heard things. I, I know things. Anyway, <clears throat> these guys knew this was coming. Okay. And continued to kick the can down the road when they were asked what's going on with Showtime Boxing. Is Showtime Boxing sticking around? We're hearing rumors. We're hearing, oh, now we're, we're good. Best year ever. How can we be going away? Best year ever. So those of us who understand the way the business works, is it any coincidence? And I want to give a shout out to uh, T Street Controversy, Terrell Van, who uh, put out a video yesterday I was checking out. He made some great points. He brought up some things that I haven't heard anyone else bring up. Yeah, at least not in a while. I've talked about it on my show. But um, anyway, he, he's, he talked about the fact that everyone was talking about how Showtime is kicking ass this year. Showtime schedule just kicks ass, right? It's all on pay-per-view. Everything's on pay-per-view. Every single fight. Showtime boxing has been dog shit. In fact, I'm going to make a statement here that may sound controversial at first, but if you think about it, it's not. DAZN, Regular DAZN has had a better year than regular Showtime in 2023. Don't believe me? Go back and look at the schedule of fights. I'm not talking about pay-per-view. I'm talking about regular DAZN, regular Showtime. DAZN's had a better year than Showtime, and DAZN's had an abysmal year. I've been beating the shit out of them all year. They've still had a better year than Showtime. Now, Showtime pay-per-view has slaughtered DAZN pay-per-view. Okay. But why are all those fights going to pay-per-view? Why are they suddenly, suddenly, after years of having their guys avoid everybody, finally, we get the Spence Crawford fight. Finally, we see some of these guys step up. Benavidez and Plant fight each other. Again, a fight that should have happened years ago. Why do we see that? Why do we see them sign Crawford to, to fight Spence, but then also do a three-fight deal with Canelo, even though they really don't have anybody for him to fight. That makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, well, I guess Benavidez does after he beats Andre. But um, why do that deal now if Showtime Boxing is going away and you knew it was going away? 
why keep it quiet that Showtime's going away and do these lucrative deals with the likes of Canelo? Because they're trying to beef up the profile before they shop the platform around. Simple business. Now, Al Heyman, when he goes to whatever network and he's shopping his platform around, he say, man, we got Canelo. He's the biggest star in the sport. You're not just getting an ancient Keith Thurman and you know, all these guys. Man, we got Canelo Alvarez. He's the biggest star in the sport. He's the money man. We got two more fights with him. We could have him fight whoever the hell we want. And you're going to get that if you sign PBC. You're going to get Canelo Alvarez. Right? That's all strategic. It's all strategic. It's all just a strategy to be. And again, I can go back and give you guys examples of when there's the max mass exodus from HBO, the mass exodus from Golden Boy. Uh, Al Heyman has pulled this move multiple times over his decades in the sport. It is part of a big, undeniable pattern. This snatch and grab kind of thing has happened now multiple times. And people think about when he was on HBO and then on Showtime, they forget uh, at one point, PBC, when they launched PBC, okay, PBC had to deal with ESPN. A lot of you guys forget that. They, had to, they were doing PBC on ESPN for a while. They had fights on CBS. I think they had some on NBC, even ABC. We know they were on Fox, right? There was um, the Fox Sports series, I think FS1. And then they were on Spike TV for a while. They were on, I'm forgetting some, uh, Bounce. They were on Bounce for a while, okay? We're talking over the years now, a dozen networks. And every single one has failed. Every single endeavor with every single network when the contract was up, the network said, yeah, no, thanks. Every single time. I mean, there's a, just a pattern there. Now, some of you will say, well, well, top rank was at HBO. And then they left and went to ESPN. Yeah, because HBO boxing ended. They had to go somewhere. They had to go somewhere. It's, it's not that they you know, screwed HBO over and, and ran it into the ground and, and then ran over to ESPN and just took a boatload of money. No, it was a strategic thing because ES or um, HBO boxing was, was ending. Uh, so, so it's a little bit different, a little bit different. Okay. It's not part of this grand massive pattern that we've seen. So again, not, um, not trying to trash PBC here, what I'm trying to do is bring up the fact that the platform has a certain model that has a track record of not working. Now, the cult will tell you, man, not working? It's worked great. Look at all the money we've made. That's what they'll tell you. Even Steven Espinoza. Well, the week of Canelo versus Charlo, what was he talking about in the press conferences? He was talking about the big fights they've done this year, the live gates, you know, three $20 million gates as if Showtime gets any of the, the ticket sales money. Uh, but he was talking about, you know, just the, the, the pay-per-views and, and the money, the money. It's always the money, the money, the money. It's never the fans. 
It's never how many people are watching. How many new subscribers do we have, right? How many tickets outside of Las Vegas are we selling? It's never that. It's always money, money, money. So, so when you go to the cult and you talk about, man, HBO, Spike, Bounce, Fox, ABC, CBS, what the hell? NBC, now Showtime, Fox is out. They'll say, well, it, there wasn't a failure, dog. Heyman went over there, made a ton of money, took, took those chumps money, and then he ran over to another place to get more money. He's playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. Okay, if you're a fan of Al Heyman getting slightly richer and guys like Steven Espinoza getting slightly richer and a handful of fighters getting slightly richer, if that's what you're a fan of, PBC is running this shit. The only other platform that comes close in that regard is Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, what he's been able to pull off on the zone. Um, okay, cool. But if you're a fan of boxing, the sport of boxing, fighters, fights, boxing, fighters from every part of the world, of every race, creed, nationality, religion. Yeah. Remember that? Those people, <laughs> fans of boxing. Then I don't see how you can look at this track record and be excited for the future. Look, if PBC right now were to sign with, let's say, ESPN, and believe me, Disney, again, Disney owns the, the universe. They have the money. It's a drop in the bucket. What they would spend bringing PBC over, drop in the bucket. Compared to what they spend on, like, college football, the NFL, come on. It's not even close. Not even close. Not in the same stratosphere. They could afford to bring PBC over. If PBC went over to ESPN right now, and did a deal where they said, okay, once a quarter, we're going to do a crossover fight with top rank. The rest of the quarter, we're going to keep it in-house. Uh, so you're going to get four shows a year where it's PBC versus top rank guys. All right. The rest of the quarter, it's in-house. We're going to limit the pay-per-views to um, one a quarter. Okay. Something like that. If, if they could work something like that out, th it would actually improve the state of boxing right now. Even if um, they went over to DAZN, zone is a sports streaming platform, right? So it makes sense to go there. That's all they do is sports, just like ESPN. All they do is sports. So th that's where it makes sense to go in this new universe of media that we're dealing with. Again, same deal. If they went over there and said, we're going to fight matchroom guys this many times a year, golden boy guys. We're going to do these crossover promotions. We're going to have our guys travel to the UK and fight matchroom guys over in the UK, right? And they announced this kind of deal, again, limiting the pay-per-views, uh, guaranteed there's no more than one a quarter, something like that. Um, it would be a, a, a real plus and it'd be something to build the sport. It would actually be a move that would build boxing. It would be something that would improve what we have right now. But we all know that's probably not what's going to happen. I'd love to be proven wrong. Believe me, I'd love to be proven wrong. But in this particular instance, I'm looking at the overall pattern that we have seen. And the fact that this was just formally announced tells me that there's a deal wrapping up already.
because the way these guys play, if they didn't have a deal lined up, they wouldn't have announced this shit. They still have fights, I think, through December. So the fact that they've announced this here in October, two months ahead of that, tells me that there's something lined up and that legally, contract-wise, they had to get this out there to move forward with those negotiations. If you just look at the way this business is done, it doesn't make sense why you denounce now if you don't have anything in the works. It just doesn't make sense. So um, it tells me that there's something that's going to be announced. I don't know if it's going to be announced like right now, this month, but it's going to come in the, in the coming months. It's going to come pretty soon. Definitely, I would say by the end of the year, you should expect to, to hear an announcement. They're very, very likely going to go to a different platform. That's not the zone. That's not ESPN plus or ESPN. They're not going to go to those two entities. Why? Because they want to maximize the dollars. If you go to ESPN, you go to the zone, you have to share the money and you don't get to keep everything in house. If you go to Amazon prime, you control everything. You can keep everything in house and you get to maximize the dollars, which is what it's always been about. Right. And I'm not trying to be naive. It's about the dollars for everybody. This is capitalism. This is, you know, people are in this business to make money. I get it. Okay. But again, I'll use top rake as an example. The way that their deal is lined up is they own the rights to their fights. So they can shop their fights to all the foreign markets, the non-American markets, and they keep that money. Disney ain't getting any of that. So that's why it's no coincidence. You, you do see top rank signing a ton of American fighters, of course, all the prospects. But they have a lot of fighters from other parts of the world. They represent fighters from the UK, uh, Eastern Europe, Asia, because they collect all that cash when they have those, you know, those deals with those foreign networks. So, so the foreign rights, the foreign TV rights money that comes in for top rank, I don't know the numbers, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's more than what they have coming in from their domestic fights. It really wouldn't surprise me. Uh, at least it's probably close. Anyway, uh, man, their deal is lined up where um, they're going to continue doing well. And a big part of that is because, they pay their guys what they're worth. They look at the market value domestically and globally. They do the numbers and they say, listen, dude, this is where you're at. This is what we're going to pay you. They structure their deals that way. Now, does it work this way every single time? No. Are there situations where they lose money? Yes. They lost a ton of money on Terrence Crawford fights. And that's why you'd hear Bob Arum talking about Terrence Crawford a certain way. And I disagreed with Bob Arum's handling of Terrence Crawford at times. I, I, I really, really do. But Bob isn't used to losing money on fighters. And so when he starts losing money on guys, particularly a fighter that's as good as Terrence Crawford, uh, he gets frustrated and voices his opinion and everything else. Um, and some, he, has, he has a loose tongue. He's at the age where he doesn't give a fuck. And he lets it rip a little too much sometimes. I get it. But um, he doesn't, they don't overpay guys over there. So while what Top Rank does is very cookie cutter, and it almost feels kind of old fashioned in a lot of ways, and maybe you like that, maybe you don't. Uh, I, I don't think what they do is as, uh, what they do is as dynamic as what Matchroom does, as what PBC does in regards to their branding and marketing, particularly again, to young fans. 
I think top rank does a poor job of that at times. And they're, but, but what top rank seems to understand is if you just look at the way they run their business, they seem to understand where boxing is. Keep in mind, they've been in this business for half a century. So they've seen the peaks and valleys and we're definitely in a valley. Um, and they know where they stand and they treat it like, hey, we know this is a niche sport. It has passionate fans. This sport is awesome when we get it right. Every now and then an event breaks through here in America, but for the most part, we are an underground niche sport. And there's about a million people in America that really give a shit about boxing. And that's about it. We're going to market to them. The casual fans are important. We're going to tell you talk about Tyson Fury being lineal this and lineal that. We're going to play up Edgar Berlanga's knockout streak to try to get people interested. They do that game too. They don't do it very well. They, they actually do pretty poorly. Again, PBC and Matchroom, I think, do a way better job of that. But what Top Rank does better than anybody is they focus on just providing content to the diehards. Remember during um, the COVID lockdowns, who was the first platform to come back? Right? Top Rank had their bubble series before anybody else. They led the industry in that. And um, were they putting on high level, elite level matchups? No, but they were keeping their dudes busy. They also understood that they had a huge, huge opportunity in the market because there was no counter programming at the time. So what did they do? They got their prospects in the ring. And yeah, the prospects were fighting prospect level opposition. You're fighting novice guys. You're fighting journeymen, right? You're finding fighting cans, as they say. Yes, but they're getting exposure at a time where no other fighters are getting any exposure. It was genius. Now, did it build a superstar? No, but, but it, it catered to the diehard fans that wanted to see boxing, any freaking boxing. A lot of you guys out there were like, just show me anything. Take two homeless guys in the parking lot, throw them in the ring and let them fight. I'll watch that shit. I want boxing, right? That's what you guys were saying. And that's what they catered to. So I, I think that um, they have a model over there that works. And a big part of it is providing consistent content for the diehard subscriber that they appreciate. How many fights overseas has ESPN picked up this year? I want to say they had an Inoue fight. Um, I know they had the Usyk fight. Did they have Zhang and Joyce? You know, fights like that, they've picked up. The diehards want to watch that shit, right? So they do a good job with that, and then they do a good job not overselling what they have. Understanding where the market is and saying, hey, we're going to pay you guys what you're worth. We're going to pay you guys right here. That model is sustainable. And if you want to see evidence of that, ask yourself this, how many pay-per-views has top rank had since COVID since 2020, th this decade, how many pay-per-views they've had a handful, right? I know uh fury fought on some that were laughable. And I trolled the shit out of it justifiably. So, but you know, Haney Lomachenko was a pay-per-view fight and they had to do that to pay everybody what they wanted. I, I particularly didn't think it was a pay-per-view worthy fight. Um, I think it would have done much better on regular ESPN. Fine. But they have done a few pay-per-views, but nowhere near what's been going on on that other platform. You've had way more pay-per-views, dozens of them. 
in the last few years during a time where the economy is really bad. Guys, the dollar in America has lost 20% of its value in just the last two to three years. So in other words, a dollar today was worth a dollar 20 in like 2020. Okay. Just to tell you how much we've lost in terms of value of the dollar. And I'm not even counting inflation and all this other crap. So during that kind of economy, you're going to be doing dozens of pay-per-views. You're going to put Luis Ortiz and Andy Ruiz on pay-per-view. How do you how do you keep that model going? And if people were buying these pay-per-views, if the pay-per-view numbers that are being reported were actually true, why would Showtime be bowing out? I understand that Showtime is in the business. Of, now, they want to just do scripted content. They just want to do their original programming, their shows, which, by the way, nobody freaking watches. There's a handful of them that do well, but nobody watches most of the shit. So it, it's it, it, that network is going to fail, ultimately, unless they change something. But I understand that's the direction they want to go. But if they were making a shitload of money with boxing, and if... Steven Espinoza was able to go to the board of directors and say, here is the amount of new subscribers that our boxing content has brought in. We're bringing in hundreds of thousands of new subscribers. And when we poll everyone, like, why are you subscribing? The top answer is because of boxing. We've got to keep this product here, guys. We're making millions and millions of dollars a year. And it's growing. It's growing our network. We're getting more subscribers, not less. If he was able to go and sell them that, of course they'd stay in boxing. Are you kidding me? It's about money. It's capitalism. That's all these networks care about. So the fact that they're going away tells me that the pay-per-view numbers you guys have seen reported by the lackeys in the media are mostly bullshit. Because if they were anywhere near those real numbers, they'd still be around, right? Um, so. No one was buying these pay-per-views. Were there some that broke through and trended? Of course. We know Davis Garcia did very, very well because they're so popular on social media. Ryan Garcia brought in a huge contingent of fans that aren't necessarily interested in boxing. They want to see Ryan Garcia with his shirt off. It's a bunch of teeny bopper chicks and stuff like, you know what I'm saying? Um, so he brought in a certain contingent of fans. And then Davis is very popular on social as well. When he finally stepped up, at least on paper, uh, there were a lot of people that were like, you know, I've been streaming his shit. I'm going to buy this one. We're going to do a fight party. So it trended. I get it. They have had events that trended. Okay. Most of those events, by the way, that trended, the big ones, were crossover fights. Wilder and Fury, who was at that time a top rank guy. He had signed that deal with top rank. Uh, and he was never a PBC guy before that. Um, Spence and Crawford. Davis Garcia right? Th those events are what broke through. There were very, very few and far between until this year. Why they start happening this year? More than any other year in PBC history. Why? Because they knew that the contract was up at the end of this year and they had to beef up the financials of the platform to shop it around. It's how business is done, guys. It's how business is done. All right, let's look at a couple super chats here. I won't talk much longer. Obviously, we're going to talk about this a lot more in the coming weeks and months. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do a show uh, for a while, guys, because I have 
a baby turning one year old next Monday and then another baby coming into this world the following Monday. So the next two weeks is going to be lit. Uh, Gregory Allen with the super chat. Thank you so much, Gregory. Holy shit. Look at your abs, dude. I feel fat. Look, <laughs> you just made me feel fat, bro. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, CJ Duggan in the house, the super chat. Thank you so much. He says purposely bombing channels. Ooh, RIP showtime. Hey, you know, that might be the new moniker, man, because CJ, look, the pattern is the guys at the platform are getting paid and then they're bouncing out to the new. Mm, you're on to something there. You're on to something there. Sarah with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sarah. She says, Richard Torres Jr. is getting up there with top rank. He is progressing nicely. His team is amazing. Yeah, I like Richard. He's exciting. Top rank knows how to match him at this point in his career. My only concern for him, Sarah, is that he's undersized. He's just going to be really undersized in this era of heavyweights. And that style he has, the aggressive style, it's really fun to watch. But against the super heavyweights, the really, really big guys, I just don't know how that's going to turn out for him. Um, if I were him and his team, I know that there's a lot less money in the cruiserweight division, but if he could get down to 200, I really think he could make some serious noise in that division right now. And heavyweight in this era, it's going to be hard for him at the highest level just because of size. Okay. Um, yeah. Trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to, to bring on here and discuss with you guys related to this. And um, I don't know, there's, there's other things that will hit my mind. And of course, we'll be talking about it on my podcast and we'll be doing calls on the podcast. You guys can call in and give your opinions. But I just want to state again, for some of you that are getting on to the show late here, you know, my heart really does go out to, to the guys that have, uh, to, the, to the folks the dozens that are going to lose their jobs. It's, it's scary being laid off. It's sad. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing to go through. I've gone through it again, both at jobs in boxing, which is a side hustle for me, but also jobs in the pri uh, private sector, which is how I pay my bills. Uh, and it's difficult, you know, it's all, it's, it's part of what has moved me around the country. It's, it's what moved me to LA. Um, it moved me to St. Louis at one point. I've been all over the place because, uh, you know, you get laid off, you have to go where the opportunity is, you know? Uh, so anyway, my heart goes out to those folks and, um, you know, it, this is indicative of the times HBO boxing is gone. I just, I think of what I grew up with. Okay. HBO boxing is gone. Showtime boxing is gone. Um, network TV boxing in general is gone. Cause you used to see boxing on network TV all the time. And then um, like USA and other networks like that gone boxing monthly magazine gone, the ring magazine gone. Now the ring still has an online platform and everything, but the print magazine, which is what I grew up with, it's gone. Now they'll do an occasional print, a special edition print here and there and, um, you know, hey, I may be contributing to some of those special prints. More about that in the future. But um, when you see a special print issue drop, you might see an article from Michael Montero in there. Um, but the, the regular monthly print of that magazine is gone. 
so I'm just looking at all these different platforms. You know, I worked with Undisputed Champion Network years ago in, in LA when I was really getting started on the beat, you know, and uh, they're gone. I just, there's just so many of these platforms drying up and going away. And a lot of these things were iconic, you know, and have been around for decades. In the case of Ring Magazine, it was, it was in print for a hundred years, man, a century. That's, that's historic, you know, and while it's been awesome that I've been able to be a part of a lot of that stuff, that's been really, really special. It's also sad that they've gone away. You know, it's, it's sad. You guys got to remember, not only did I watch HBO boxing and Showtime boxing as a fan, but as a media member, I covered their events. I knew people that worked for the network. We'd talk, we'd hang out. You'd go to press conferences, you get to know some people, you'd have a drink, you'd have a beer, you'd talk boxing, you know, and you get to know some of these guys, you know, you get to know the promotional people, you get to know everybody. So, so when you see this stuff dry up, um, it's, it's, it's sad, you know, not, not just as a fan, but as a guy that has been a part of the, um, the working machine of it all you know, in a very small way. And, you know, I don't want to overstate my relevance here, but like, I, I've been a part of a lot of these promotions. Um, it's, so it, it's, it's, it's definitely sad, you know, there, there's no way around that. Um, but at the same time, with this particular platform and the people that were running it, um, some of them are just bad actors and them being out right now is actually a net positive for the sport of boxing. Boxing just got a little jolt from that. Um, someone like Steven Espinosa being out, that's good. That's actually good. And, and you know, listen, if, if you're one of the people that feels bad for Steven losing his job, relax, he's going to be just fine. He's going to get another network job within three seconds. He plays the role. He, he, goes to the right political rallies he checks boxes he's gonna be fine he will get a job okay don't worry but he hasn't particularly been very good at running the show over there uh, if you look at where showtime boxing started when he took over to where it is now yeah he wasn't necessarily great at his job and um so so there's some positives here you know um there there is a vindication um, there, there's also just a big opportunity. I'd love to see something happen here. That is a, something that will grow the sport, something that will help us move forward. I'd love to see that. Will we see it? Probably not, but we have an opportunity here to make a move. If you're Al Heyman and PBC, make a move that can really start to heal some of the gaping wounds in this sport right now. Not that I'm putting it all on Al Heyman. Everyone has to come together. Everyone has to play their part. I'm not trying to hold Heyman to a higher standard or anything like that, you know? Um, but he has an opportunity here and I'd love to see them do the right thing. Um, and you know, one last thing. Um, yes. At times I, I am highly critical of Heyman and PBC and I get accused of being more critical of that platform than others. But let me ask you guys this. Here in the United States, who is the biggest promoter? Who represents the most fighters? Who represents the most American fighters? Who, according to the 
the publicists and the PR people that put out all the press conference, all the press releases about their deal, who was supposed to be putting on the most fight cards here in America? The answer to all those questions is PBC. When you're the biggest player in the room, you're going to take more heat than the other players. As I talked about earlier in this video, Top Rank kind of does a cookie cutter niche little thing on ESPN. They're not trying to be any bigger than that. DAZONE, Matchroom, that's kind of more of a global thing. Eddie Hearn is trying to build a global brand with DAZONE. And that's why they do fight cards in Uzbekistan and Italy and all these other places, right? He's not particularly interested. Now, they do have Matchroom USA, which has failed a lot uh, recently. Um, who knows how much longer that'll be even be around. But globally, that's his agenda. And so he's doing that thing. But for PBC, they're supposed to be the biggest show in town in American boxing. They represent the most American fighters. They have the most media members in their pocket. Every promoter has media members in their pocket. PBC has the most, okay? PBC by proxy runs the BWAA in organizations like that. Uh, the Hall of Fame voters, a good chunk of them. When, when you are the biggest dog, you're going to take the most heat. That's just how it works. So, so I don't think I'm holding them to a disproportional or having a disproportional amount of, of criticism. I think it's proportional when you look at what they are and what they represent. So um, it, those of you who actually watch my show and stuff like that and pay attention, you know, I've been, I've criticized everybody. You know that I'm equal opportunity, but if there's a platform over here that represents 70, 80% of the American fighters and American boxing is what's suffering the most right now. Yeah. You're going to take more of the criticism from a guy like me. It's just how this thing works. Um, uh, great point by Javier Martinez. Uh, PBC runs YouTube boxing channels also. Yeah, a great point. They run YouTube boxing communities, brother. Not just channels, communities made up of dozens of channels. And a lot of times, those guys are the ones who run interference and everything else. This whole year, again, you guys are being told this is the best year ever. Showtime boxing's crushing it. Look at all these big fights being, you know, coming together. Oh, we got Canelo now. Canelo's a PBC fighter. Now that we look back, now that you guys look back, can you not see the, the lining up of the chess pieces on the board? Because they knew this was coming. They knew this a while ago. It was just a strategy. And again, it's a strategy that we've seen played out multiple times. One last note, and I promise I'm out. This platform, when they announced PBC, had half a billion, with a B, half a billion dollars to spend of investor money. They threw spaghetti at the wall and just got on a bunch of networks, okay, five, six, seven networks at a time. There was absolutely no cohesive business plan. There was no transparency with the media. They, at that time, had a heavy influence in several divisions. I think featherweight was one of them, junior middleweight, welterweight. We didn't see any tournaments. We didn't see anything that was cohesive that was building to something. We just saw a bunch of money gets spent over just a handful of years. And when it was all done, all those network contracts 
ran out and were not renewed. All of those networks, and keep this in mind, these networks were being given free money. PBC was paying to put their, their product on these networks. It wasn't the other way around. So imagine you're a network executive. Heyman and his people are coming to you and saying, hey, here's some money. Can we put our show on your network? And you're like, shit, okay. I'm going to put this in my pocket. Okay. And it's like, we just get to keep all the uh, sponsorship money and all the uh, advertising money. Okay, I got my money. I'm good. Go ahead do your thing. And then when it's all done, they say, hey, here's what we got to offer. You know, here's what we brought in with advertising. Here's what we brought in with ratings. Do you want to give us a contract? And me, the network executive, I'm chopping up the numbers. Like, no, we're not interested. But thanks for the money. Good luck. That is what multiple networks said to this platform. And at the end of all that, they were not able to build one, one bankable, marketable crossover superstar. Not one. Half a billion dollars. Multiple networks, network television, prime time network television, not one star. The two biggest stars that PBC built, I'm not going to include Javante Davis because he's a newer thing, right? We can, we can include him if you guys want, but I'm thinking of the bulk of PBC, right? From cradle to grave. It was Deontay Wilder and Errol Spence. Those were the two names, right? Neither one of those guys could crack 300,000 pay-per-view buys without a serious dance partner. Spence needed Crawford to do, what did they do, six, 700,000 buys? Deontay needed Fury to do, I think they did nearly a million buys, one of those pay-per-views. That's it. Wilder's pay-per-view with Hellenius didn't even do 100,000. Most of Aero Spence's pay-per-views were around like a quarter million, okay? That's where those guys are at, unless they have a serious dance partner, by the way, from another side of the street. Think about that for a second. Think about that. What does that tell you? If you're a network executive that's actually been paying attention, you know what's been going on, and you look at that, are you going to want to shell out three, four, five hundred million dollars to bring this platform on? I don't know. All right, guys, we'll leave you with that. And uh, hopefully we'll do a show next week. If not, I promise we'll be back at some point. Um, Rest in peace to Showtime Boxing. We had some wonderful memories, particularly before PBC was over there when we had fights like um, Marquez Vasquez and things like that. Man, we had some great, great memories. Um, The tournament, the super middleweight tournament that they had, there's some great fights. Um, It's been a lot of fun, man. I'll miss it. I really, really will miss it. Um, I'm curious to see where we go from here. I'm hoping good things happen from this. I'm hoping sometimes when things look really negative and down, that's where the most growth, the most positive growth happens because in those moments is where you have the most opportunity. And that's the way it's been in my life. I know a lot of you guys can relate to that as well in your lives. So, oh God, Castillo Corrales. Yeah. Uh, Skull says uh, Corrales versus Castillo. Yeah, man. So many fights. That's when Showtime was kicking HBO's ass. It's no coincidence. Look who was fighting on HBO at that time. Look who was fighting, who, uh, who was running the programming on both networks, which promoters were on which networks. 
I'm just saying, guys, there's there's a track record here. It's a track record. Just look at it. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk soon. See you at the fights.